and a very warm welcome to Barle, the Hindu's weekly podcast. I am Varghese K. George, your host for the day. This week we are discussing the national implications of the state elections in five states, Uttar Pradesh, Punjab, Uttarakhand, Goa and Manipur. To discuss these uh, questions related to the assembly elections and its national implications. We have with us two guests who have been engaged with these topics and questions uh, for a long time. Yamini Iyer is the President and the Chief Executive of the Center for Policy Research, New Delhi, India's premier think tank. Her research interests are in the fields of uh, social policy and development. Yamini writes regularly on current policy debates, including in the Hindu. Manish Tiwari is a pollster who has done extensive field research in many states, including Uttar Pradesh. His book is titled Battleground UP, Politics in the Land of Ram. He is founder and director of IGPP, Institute of Governance, Policy and Politics, a think tank based in Delhi. Thank you, Yamini, and thank you, Manish, for joining uh, the Parley for this edition. So, I will start I'll start with a question that is common to both of you. Do you think... Uh, the incumbent is on the defensive in every state, whether it is the BJP in UP, Congress in Punjab, the BJP in Uttarakhand, and BJP in Goa and Manipur. Do you think that is a case that we are looking at? If uh, if we could take uh, that point, and then we will get into some of the granular details of how this election may be played. Manish, could you take that question? Is the incumbent on the defensive? I think incumbents are always on defensive uh, because uh, they really have high expectations from people and uh, that makes them a little more more vulnerable because it is not just the uh, people at large or the janta, but also their own party men and people around them, they become more uh, enthusiastic, they become more ambitious, they become more partisan at times also. So they are always, uh, they face a lot of challenge. If we talk about all the states, the incumbent is uh, definitely like, you know, they are offensive because uh, in UP, uh, if we start with UP, there are definitely a lot of challenges with the, which the current BJP government led by uh, Yogiji has been kind of uh, facing all these kind of challenges if you talk about, uh, say, past the corona, maybe a lot of uh, sentiments around Brahmins, a lot. And, and uh, they are definitely saying that, you know, we are doing very good around a lot of things, including law and order and all those things and development. Yes, they have done a lot, but there is definitely a lot which was expected. So in UP, uh, which is uh, the kind of the powerhouse uh, for the central uh, leadership also and for the prime ministership in the country. Uh, the BJP, the incumbent BJP and Yogi in particular is facing a lot of challenge. Yeah, you come to Punjab, the incumbent uh, uh, Congress government has uh, already faced a coup in terms of uh, Amrinder Singh who was uh, removed uh, from the party post. I would say removed, he did not just resign. He was removed and uh, that has put uh, a lot of strain on the party uh, structure in the state which is getting kind of you know a little more divided but 
they have got somebody like Channi who is giving a new hope to the party with Dalit voters who are a, a very large chunk of the total proportion of the voters. Similarly, Uttarakhand, which where also the BJP removed its chief minister in between and the new chief minister just had around a year uh, with him. So he definitely faces a lot of challenges. Goa, uh, the BJP, uh, uh, which is uh, incumbent, is definitely facing it uh, like, you know, a challenge because um, a lot of things are happening. Their own uh, people are going to different parties. And uh, there also, mm, there was a change of chief minister and all kind of things which had happened. Manipur had been a little more stable uh, until now. And uh, in Manipur, I think it is, uh, it looks like, you know, uh, the Congress is on uphill task and uh, the, the current BJP government, out of these five states, I would say BJP is uh, the most, uh, on a safest pitch in Manipur only. That's my observation. Yeah, okay. that is an interesting uh, uh, observation to, I think, uh, start this debate with. So, Yamini, you've been writing on a raft of issues which have been uh, at the center of Indian uh, policy debates and po political controversies. The farmers, the COVID management, Ayodhya, the CAA, jobs, a lot of these issues you've been uh, keeping a close watch on and been writing. Do you think some of these issues will actually be discussed in this election and be litigated uh, and the people will express their political opinion on uh, these questions in this election? How do you think these issues will be playing out in this? So I guess uh, this is the million dollar question actually uh, that uh, the incumbents, uh, to link it back to your previous question, sort of confront as they go into election mode. Um, there has been a these are elections that are taking place in some senses in not very ordinary times. Uh, and by that, I don't mean just the Omicron uh, variant unfolding as the campaign unfolds, but also the fact that uh, there have been very significant, deep uh, forms of economic distress as a consequence of uh, COVID in particular um, over the last two years. And particularly the state of Uttar Pradesh has been at the heart of uh, a lot of that. Um, the farm laws expose so many fault lines in how we think about the challenge of agrarian reforms, the role of the farmer, the farmer's political capacity to mobilize in some ways. I think uh, before the agitations linked to the farm laws, uh, the farmer as a site of political contestation had sort of fallen out of the politics of mainstream elections. Uh, the farmer was always an important political constituency and the fact that we had PM Kisan right before uh, the general elections is testament to that. But the farmer uh, as a site of mobilization and as a site of political contestation, which had been very much the story of Indian politics, particularly in the 70s and 80s, had sort of disappeared. There was almost a consensus around the fact that there was a need for certain kinds of reforms and, uh, you know, getting people out of agriculture would be the best way to solve the problem of uh, the challenge of agriculture without a serious debate on agricultural productivity. Um, and what the farm laws and the agitation has done is that they've actually brought the farmer right back at the front and center 
of the political debate. Um, and this creates its own challenges for the incumbents uh, across uh, the states in, 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 in the following and in different ways. I mean, on the one hand, in Uttar Pradesh, um, the sort of double engine growth narrative that uh, the BGP pushes for center states uh, al political alignment um, is both an advantage uh, because it really allows them to put uh, all to, to sort of seek political attribution for all things that have been happening in the state. Um, and that distinction that the voter is increasingly making between national elections and state elections does is not as will not be as sharp uh, in, in a state like Uttar Pradesh and Uttarakhand. But at the same time, uh, the extent to which uh, the voter is going to ask questions of the government for the economic distress that they are confronting um, uh, is, is, is something that you can't shift the blame on. In some ways, the Congress in Punjab is in a better position to handle that, except that and and. and the Congress was took a position on uh, the farm laws, but the Congress hasn't articulated an alternative. So the question is whether the farmer, uh, the farm law agitation, and the farmer is going to place their, but they have significant political capital in Punjab now, is going to place their political capital whole hog towards the incumbent. Or are they going to be looking to see if any of the political parties, and in Punjab, of course, the BJP, I don't think has a strong, uh, stands on a strong wicket. But are there alternative narratives to uh, the uh, options uh, available for agricultural reforms that, in fact, uh, speak to what the farmers are asking for? And it's not entirely clear that political parties uh, in the fray right now have articulated that. So a lot will depend on how that articulation takes place as well. Um, so it's just to summarize, I think we're walking into an election amidst significant fault lines um, uh, in our so in our society, in our economy and in our polity. Um, and I think a lot will depend on the extent to which political parties are able to provide voters with alternatives that helps, uh, you know, create a, a, a new context for these uh, fault lines, responding, resolving these fault lines. Right, right. So, yes, we, we uh, so we, we have an unprecedented, uh, it may not be unprecedented, I think India has had these kind of questions of economic distress, jobs, unemployment, and a lot of social conflicts. But I, what could actually uh, see that so many issues uh, together, aggregated, uh, in uh, be particularly because of uh, the COVID and the aftermath of COVID, may be in, in, in one sense unprecedented. But political campaigns often, particularly uh, an incumbent government's campaign often, uh, tries to actually deflect from these issues and try uh, and add a kind of emotive flavor to a campaign. So in this case, there are various issues at play. If you see there is a, a, a thrust of uh, Hindu consolidation that the BJP is trying, there is a Punjabiath narrative that perhaps the Congress is trying, there is a Sikh religious politics that is part of it, there is an OBC politics that uh, the Samajwadi party is trying to reinvent uh, with today's uh, latest uh, exit from the BJP of a very senior OBC leader who is crossing over to the Samajwadi party. Then there is also a completely new alternative politics that is being proposed by the Ahmadmi party in Punjab that also has an issue. So the question that uh, I'm just preluding, giving this as a prelude to ask one question, which is that do you think there these questions of emotional 
appeals identity politics as 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 you been using the term for uh would overwhelm these policy debates and if that is the case which identity politics is going to uh be uh, getting taking precedence would it be caste or religion or anything else i'll ask yamini if you could take that first and then we'll shift to me oh i i think you're absolutely uh, you've hit the nail i think this is going to be an election uh, which despite the fact that the voter is coming out to vote against the backdrop of such significant uh, uh, sh- uh, challenges that they are confronting uh, they are going to be confronting an election campaign and potentially even making electoral decisions on the back of what is as you to to use your words an emotive campaign but i would say it's much more of a a, a campaign that is uh uh that, that that sort of pursuing a political a particular social cultural uh, agenda and sort of trying to de- an agenda that is seeking to define um an I- ideology so i think of this very much as an ideological election uh after all uttar pradesh in particular is the site of um much of the ideological contestation uh that india has experienced and it's continuing to unfold and unravel in many different ways um and uh, i think that you know while of course uh, uh the the uh, economic challenges the issues of uh, policy as you describe them uh, uh welfare they're all going to be part and parcel of the election narrative uh but i think ultimately this is at the heart of the political contestation that india is confronting uh this is at the heart of uh the debates that we are having as a nation and therefore this is naturally going to shape how the voter is going to choose to vote what i uh do want to emphasize also is that i think in many state elections and we've seen this template play out uh especially after 2019 state level opposition parties have uh, uh sort of found a template that works at the state level for state elections that effectively manages to uh in some senses blunt the um uh the overall uh, uh uh sort of national popularity of 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 the bjp and which is why you see such different you you're beginning to see diff- split ticket voting in a sense between state and central elections and that sort of that template is very much about local issues about local governance about uh regional identity ra- uh, rather than uh as an articulation of an alternative ideological narrative to uh what the bjp is presenting and to my mind uh, that is ultimately at the heart of the challenge the electoral challenge and in up it's going to get played out particularly uh, significantly uh, are is our opposition going to be able to present a viable ideological alternative uh, or is it going to play ball on uh, the governance or development issues significant as they are but without touching on the contestation that the voter is confronted the, the critical contestation that the voter is uh, is is thinking about um and and if the voter is not presented with an alternative well uh, i think that uh, uh, reduces the possibility of the voter making uh, a variety of choices right right so manish on the, oh, yeah, taking off from that so there could be resentment against the yogi adityanath government because it has been around for 5 years and there will be many other reasons that people might be unhappy with them but still bjp has one thing going for it that is the slogan of hindutva on which it party has delivered it has delivered the ayodhya ram temple and a host of other issues and 
the challenge to 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 yogi adityanath at the moment comes from a party which is uh, which has a social base which is which can be seen as a very narrow and even narrowing social base what do you see that challenge can be built uh, and turned into an expanding social base for akhilesh yadav and samajwadi party what what is your take on it or at the point is is hindutva still the dominating political force in uttar pradesh or will akhilesh yadav will be be able to sort of counter it with his uh, a, a repackaged new iteration of social justice politics what is happening is um, in up the hindutva card as bjp is playing or the ideology of hindutva whatever you call it they have been trying to uh, project it since beginning and they are trying to do it successfully but this time what will happen is like you know because uh, this is definitely a test for the hindutva because it was after the 90 like you know uh, 90s that the bjp has got such a majority in the state or it has come to the power uh, after such a long time on the plank of hindutva they have without any hesitation without any pretensions they have uh, done it successfully like if you take ayodhya or if you take kashi then it is like uh, the way they are playing the hindutva card or the hindutva sentiment uh, that is definitely very out and open there is no pretension there is no hiding of the fact that we are for the hindus now how long or how far it would work that is something to test in this election swami prasad maurya deflect uh, you know uh, going out of the party to the yeah reflection today is is a kind of test case whether it would work or not because maurya's constituted last section uh, even before that rajmohan's party has already left uh, the bjp so uh, the whole narrative of hindutva which has been like you know hindutva is a one category whether it fits into uh, the indian society or not that is a test case for the selection because if it is this if it is just a hindust about hindutva then swami prasad would not have left rajbar has not would not have left even all others would be together but that is not happening so the whole obc plank which bj bjp had been kind of you know trying to uh, play on that we are a party of the obcs or we uh, like you know in many elections earlier in bihar particularly Uh, modi and shah both have claimed that we are obc now uh, the uh, marrying this obc and hindutva together if it doesn't yield results in up this time that means that the so called ideological hindutva and the politics of the hindutva is not far fetching so manish bhai i i so in uh, barring 2015 bihar assembly election since 2014 in all elections in up and bihar this amalgamation of uh, hindutva and social justice has worked perfectly for the bjp with this latest defections and uh, the unrest among the obc factions and leaders in uttar pradesh do you think that phase of the bjp is now facing the most serious challenge since 2014 would you characterize it that way the challenge has already been faced or by uh, like you know put up to the bjp in madhya pradesh when shivraj singh did not win the majority 
Also in Bihar, even after, even in 2020, the BJP's win was marginal. So uh, what? So this is uh, already kind of you know said that these things are not going to like OBC and Hindutva is not the same thing because uh, that has and, and right now it is a big challenge for them that you know they what they were they were trying to kind of you know put together all the OBC lower OBC and bring them together in name of Hindutva is not working because ultimately the society is much more uh, I would say. Uh, divided into more categories of caste and of uh, obc or lower obc or uh, the higher caste right so uh, i'll ask you one more question before i uh, go to yamini so uh, obc is one segment of the society that we uh, speak about the other equally important segment which is very much at play in this election is the dalits uh, so in uttar pradesh particularly the Dalit party, the authentic Dalit platform, the BSP appears to be on a terminal decline. And initial uh, reports suggest that uh, the BJP is being the beneficiary of the decline of the BSP. Do you concur with that view or uh, how might the Dalits be looking at these elections in UP? And also related to that is a question in, in Punjab, the Congress is actually perhaps for the first time trying to sort of uh, advocate uh, a, a, a foreground at Dalit politics in a very proactive manner. Do you think that kind of a model where a national party says that, okay, we are a Dalit party, at least in a limited context, will that work? I think, uh, let me take the Dalit question first, in the sense that what has happened in uh, UP is that uh, the Dalit as a category is also again divided between Jatavs and non-Jatavs. BSP's larger social base was Jatavs. Non-Jatavs were already a large section was voting for the BJP. Now, uh, the young uh, among the Jatavs, particularly if you talk about Chandrasekhar and leaders like those, they have already kind of, you know, been uh, reflecting their uh, unhappiness with the BSP. And the result of the last few elections for the BSP have been proving it. My take is that for the BJ, uh, BSP this time, they would come down in a single digit in vote percentage. Until now, they have been stable between 16 to 18 or 20%. But this time, it will come significantly down because the youth of these, uh, of Dalits particularly, who were supporting BSP, is not happy. And on that, Congress has played very smart. So picking up Channi as a chief Dalit, first Dalit chief minister of Punjab, they are not just addressing a large section of Punjab population of Dalits, but they are also addressing it in different states, particularly UP. So Channi as a Dalit chief minister is giving hopes to Dalits in uh, UP that, okay, we might have a chance with the Congress. And they are also, uh, like, you know, speaking to a lot of them, have uh, got me that they are uh, trying to or they're happy supporting the Congress, even though they know that Congress will not win. But they, but they want that, you know, at least Congress is trying to uh, uh, work for the uh, kind of, you know, the cause of Dalits, or Congress is trying to take the space which is being vacated by BSP and Mayavati. So Mayavati will, might hold around 9 to 10% vote uh, even this time. But she, as a winning option, is uh, not at all a choice for anybody. Right. Okay. Now, uh, coming to you, Yamini. So, you mentioned that in Punjab, the BJP is not really 
uh, in the context, which uh, which is a case. Uh, it is also curious to notice the fact that Amadmi Party has really emerged as a, a potentially viable alternative in Punjab. So it has it says it indicates its own story. I mean, the uh, Amadmi Party has has an apolitical welfare solution to most of the problems that uh, people might uh, articulate in in their daily lives. So if Amadmi Party were to win or emerge as the principal opposition, which they were in any case last time also, uh, do you think that kind of a politics, which you 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 mentioned in the in your earlier comments, that the urgency or the the of uh, of a political or ideological alternative to what the BJP is proposing? So, do you think Amadmi Party is that a non-Congress alternative to the BJP? Uh, do you think from looking at what the Delhi experience and looking at what they are promising in other states that are going to elections this time, do you think Amadmi Party could be that? At the state level, possibly. Uh, it's early days yet. I think there's no doubt that the Amadmi Party uh, is uh, the energy around the Amadmi Party in Punjab in particular. I haven't visited Punjab recently, but uh, uh, oh, even even. Uh, about a year ago, the Amadmi Party, which was well before the elections, the Amadmi Party was certainly seen as a significant political opposition to the Congress, and they've been able to keep that momentum going. I think they've also been able to build off what they did in Delhi to tell a, a, a narrative of uh, look uh, of governance uh, and welfare that is local, that is specific, that is responsive to uh, voter demands. Uh, but I think that. And I think that that works. I mean, Delhi is a good example of it. And different political parties across the country have done this in different states um, uh, and been effective. But it doesn't, to my mind, add up to an effective challenge to the BJP at the national level. Uh, It is an ideological contestation. I, I think that there's absolutely no other way of seeing it. It is an ideological contestation into which the BJP has very effectively been able to bundle in elements of what have been part and parcel of Indian elections and the voter politician compact, particularly welfare and aspects of governance. And you will see pockets of good governance and significant pockets of weak governance across the country. I think that uh, what we need at a national level to challenge the BJP is a well-articulated ideological framing um, which doesn't exist, uh, which the governance narrative, the welfare narrative is not collectively able to articulate effectively. So when our opposition parties talk about an alliance, uh, and in Goa now, uh, there is uh, the TMC is sort of opening the, the, the doors for a possible alliance, defeating the BJP is the most important thing. It is, but I think if it doesn't articulate an alternative, it is not going to be able to effectively develop into a significant 2024 challenge. Right. That is, that's very well put. And so uh, a, a little more abstract and a more uh, serious at the same uh, time a question, which is that in, the rec- in recent years, uh, we, a lot of us in India and observers outside who are uh, watching what is happening in India, have expressed concerns or criti- criticism that okay, Indian democracy is facing some serious challenges because of uh, social uh, uh, sectarianism and uh, 
some of the policy initiatives which may be actually based on majority decisions but uh, may be actually chipping away at uh, some of the cherished principles of democracy and how the the, the conduct of elections themselves is been uh, under a, a very under cross scrutiny i mean from looking at what we saw in uh, west bengal last time uh, a lot of the debates that are raised and then the 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 use and misuse of government machinery again these all these things may not be in entirely unprecedented but the scale at which those may be happening and the intensity at that though these uh, deviations may be happening all those uh, have raised serious concerns so what will this this round of election mean to indian democracy in the sense of will it actually be a test of indian democracy in terms of how it will be conducted how our politicians behave how the state the state state and police forces in different places will behave the election commission how do you see these elections from that perspective yamini and then manish i mean elections are always a test of democracy uh, and to be entirely honest uh, our uh, even though the indian voter uh stands up to this test very effectively by coming out in great enthusiasm and casting her vote uh indian politicians never come out with flying colors at this test of democracy uh both today and in the years uh and decades before uh we have long struggled with challenges of campaign finance we have long struggled with challenges of uh, uh if if uh, quality of campaign of effective uh uh objective voting we've made a uh, huge progress in electoral reforms uh when we uh, particularly from the bad old days of booth capturing to uh, the electronic age of today uh but even so uh there have always been challenges i think in the last uh, few years the challenges have been exacerbated exacerbated because of the combination of centralization of financing uh and the electoral bonds are part and parcel of that challenge making electoral financing even more opaque rather than more transparent as it was as it was presented to the public for i think the role of the media uh and the ability of money and media to come together uh and uh the weakness of the institutions uh to ensure uh, uh fairness uh and equity in following rules all have come to play to further uh, undermine the sanctity of the electoral process even though the voter is coming out now in even more enthusiasm than the past to cast her vote um i think what is going to be particularly unique about this election is in many ways similar to the elections of april and may last year that the voter is going to be asked to cast their vote against the backdrop of uh, a raging pandemic and um this time round the decision to put a little bit of a hold on rallies uh seems to be a start uh, a starting point towards a different kind of election it will probably not last uh but the kinds of decisions that our political parties make uh over how they respond to the needs of the health crisis that they confront uh as well as the necessity of letting the democratic process continue remains uh, a question mark and will determine this the uh, the effectiveness of these elections i believe strongly that pandemics should not stop us from holding elections these are part and parcel of our democratic process and it's the only tool the indian voter has to hold her election uh, uh, her politicians to account so we must have elections but are our politicians capable of responsible elections remains a question to be answered in march yeah. 
so i'll give you the last word manish so i'll just reframe the same question in slightly different manner we started off by asking whether the incumbent was on the defensive now I, on 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 another uh, from another perspective one could argue that the incumbent has all the advantages because incumbent has power the money the police some would even say that the election commission also might actually slightly be favorable uh, last elections uh, the uh, those allegations charges which were refuted were nevertheless raised so do you think uh, the incumbent in this case uh, mostly the bjp has that advantage of the media and the general uh, the, the atmosphere uh, being in its favor by which you of being in power it definitely looks like so but it is not uh, always as it looks like because uh, if you see uh, the recent uh, say this announcement about the election commission so we were all uh, contemplating or kind of you know doubting whether the elections would be held or the government would uh, kind of you know impose a Uh, presidential rule in the states for a few months in name of covid and all but uh, election commission in the government as such has uh, kind of you know come true on the uh, on this test at least they have announced the elections and there are a lot of measures which they have announced like you know holding out rallies and campaigns physical campaigns and all those things uh, is definitely something which looks like that you know they have uh, the election commission has tried to do its best now if you come to the uh, ruling party or incumbent definitely an incumbent has an advantage in uh, in form of a favorable media because uh, the media can't run without advertisements these days and a lot of things it it happens but it is ultimately the people of the country who would uh, who have always like you know even if you talk about today today there are so many checks and controls and watch about uh, what the government and the leaders are doing so i have high hopes and uh, i feel that you know the indian even if there is an advantage to the incumbent the people of the country and of these states they will be uh, able to i would say uh, do justice to uh, the uh, to the democracy that is what it looks like well i think that is a very good way to summarize this wonderful debate thank you yamini and thank you manish we hope to get together again when the campaign picks up i think maybe we'll get together again to discuss how to enjoy thank you for joining thank you thank you so much for joining thank you thank, thank you